As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. Every single day I come in here, I think about winning. You know, I don't do this year round to come in and not make the playoffs. I'm sick of that shit and uh, I want to keep winning. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Taper, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. Uh, we haven't come to you guys for a couple weeks. we got two games to talk about. And over these last two games, the average score is Raiders 31.5, opponents 12. So that that just tells the whole story, right? Uh, two two uh, comfortable wins. Um, not quite, but uh, I mean, two games that honestly could not be more different uh three nothing loss to the minnesota vikings that had us internally talking about that is the night that antonio pierce probably lost his shot at the head job and then a 63 21 win over the chargers that reignited his chances at the job um we're not gonna get into too much of that three nothing loss to the vikings a couple weeks ago it's you know at this point that, that game's in the past but the thursday night win over the chargers just absolutely demolishing the team that I mean, honestly, it was the Chargers team that looked like at least there was a few players out there that looked like their goal that night was to get Brandon Staley fired, and and it worked. Wait, does it put him squarely back in the you know in, in the front row to get this job, or does it just put him in the same place because the the Vikings game was so bad that it, it evens out? If you watched you know, on TV, Mark Davis was having a ball. He's like laughing. He's drinking eighteen waters. He's like closing his eyes, and he can't I believe didn't. it. Like he's like. I mean, it's the happiest I've ever seen him. So based on that, you got to figure AP's back in the mix. I think um, it was, a, you know, obviously the Chargers quit, but still 63 points is um, it's a franchise record. So I'm sure Mark Davis definitely enjoyed himself and maybe he's thinking that could be uh, more of the same in the future. Deshaun, did you uh, you text Mark about why he had so many waters that day? He was, he's been working out a lot, man. So I saw him at the owner's meeting. the first time I saw him. He was in shorts and a workout shirt had a had a towel around him he's got to stay hydrated man he's getting pumping that iron you know it was like I mean? 18 so, waters in front of him hey man don't don't hate on him staying hydrated you know what i mean 
But uh, I think the I truth mean, if is, that was eight, if that was eighteen beers, would you be would would be batting an eye? No, like yeah, it's just true, water. It's like true. what? What? Yeah, stay hydrated. What? Nasopyramid. You know what I'm saying? It lives on. But uh, yeah, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like I think it's it's very much so still up in the air going into these last three games. Like if they lose three in a row and finish six and eleven, like you know that's that's probably it. But you know I think it's still an ongoing audition. I don't think anything's been decided at this point. I do think Mark is genuinely open to it in terms of keeping everybody in place, both Pierce and also interim GM Champ Kelly. And I think that's what he would prefer rather than going out. And obviously he still has to conduct the searches in order to, to you know, adhere to NFL rules. But, you know, I mean, if, the, if these guys fight hard for Antonio Pierce and like, let's say he went out, you know, which I think is realistic. I mean, the Chiefs look vulnerable right now. Um, I know they haven't been able to beat them on the road in a long time, but, you know, if they went out, even if they don't make the playoffs, like I don't think it, the, the end result of the season matters so much as how they look. And if they continue to fight hard and have that level of effort and they're competitive in all these games and they don't have those embarrassing games like they did against the Vikings, then I think you'll have a pretty good shot. Now, if they go out there and get cooked by the Chiefs and get convincingly beat by the Colts and lose at home to the Broncos, then that's probably all she wrote. But I think it's still it's still very much so up in the air. I mean, I think when you look at Mark Davis, he's a he's an owner who very much operates under emotion. And for him to watch a game like that where they just went out and kicked their rivals' ass and, I mean, didn't care about running up the score. They want, I mean, they would have called it a, a trick play, have, have a Jacoby Myers throw a touchdown. What it was, what, 42 nothing at, at that point? That, that, made, that was the one that made a 49 to nothing. You know, I, I know probably in, in some NFL circles, you'd be like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, no, if you're Mark Davis, like, and, and you want to get back to that old school Raider way, we're going to kick your ass. We're going to be tough. We're, we're going to rub it in your face uh, you had to love the you know the attitude that the team showed and that your coach showed that game i think it's clear the players definitely want ap and champ as the guys are playing hard for him i don't think mark davis regrets the whole basachi thing that's the comparison anybody makes but i think again if the team's playing hard for a coach sitting down the stretch and you have some positive signs you have to think about you know why not uh, keep it going but um i agree i think it's still wide open for for ap i think champ i think is going to get the job but ap i think is wide open um and these three games, I'm not sure if they have to win them all. I'm not sure that's realistic. I mean, I know Deshaun thinks it's possible. I, I think winning out would be shocking to me. But um, I think if you win two of three, or maybe if you if you beat the Chiefs somehow, that might in itself might be good enough for the job if you, if you win on on Monday. But um, yeah, I think this, they they're playing hard for them. That's the main thing. They're getting some results. The defense has definitely gotten better, which uh, I'm I'm still a little surprised how, how good it's gotten the last month and a half. But um, yeah, things definitely, I think, in a, going in a positive direction for for AP's hopes. Last point about the Vikings game, and we'll move on from it. Yeah, but even Vikings in that game, game is old. Come on. But, but, I mean, even in that game, I think they were playing hard, you know, to, to hold the Vikings to, to only three points and shut them out for most of the game. I think they're playing hard. I just think the Vikings defense is really, really tough to decipher for – uh, a rookie quarterback. I mean, I, I I did an article on Brian Flores last week and I was watching film and I was like, I had no idea what they were doing uh, on defense. I just knew that somehow they were just dropping into every area, every receiver was running into. And Sean Payton even joked um, when they played in the week 11 that they had to spend like nine hour extra hours watching film, trying to figure out this defense. So imagine trying to be, uh, you know, be a rookie quarterback, and trying to decipher what they're doing with the free rusher coming at you, you know, so it, it's tough. And Aiden O'Connell played some tough pass defenses 
uh, leading up to that game. I mean, the Chiefs are an elite pass defense. The Jets are an elite pass defense ever since Jalen Ramsey came back. The Dolphins have um, a, a elite pass defense. And then then you play Brian Flores. And, um, you know, then you go to play the Chargers. And it's like, you know, it's like playing on, on rookie mode after playing on like, like all Madden mode. Yeah, the Chargers secondary, if especially, was the the group that looked like they had no interest in playing and no interest in being coached by Brandon Staley anymore. But uh, that's beside the point. You know, I think one of the keys for Pierce is going to be what is going to be his plan offensively, right? Especially, you know, a couple weeks ago after, after that Vikings game, we're like, all right, yeah, you know, Bo Hardigree, not the guy. Um, you know, we'll see how, you know, that group was able to close the, the last three games out. But I, I think if you're going to go with, with Pierce as your – as your full-time coach, um, I think Mark Davis is going to want to hear what the plan is on that offensive side. How you, what do you want to do at quarterback? Who, who are you going to be able to bring at coordinator if you're not sticking with hard degree? Um, and then kind of a, a broader, uh, Tashawn, you got a chance to talk with Mark and we can get into some, a few other topics from that. But my biggest takeaway from that was that if he's going to hire Pierce and champ Kelly to be his duo, the two guys that would be in the role for the first time outside of this interim period right now. And he sounded like if he was going to have a situation again, where he's got a rookie head coach and a rookie GM that he would probably like to have some kind of veteran president of football ops type guy overseeing those guys, just to give, you know, a little bit more experience to the front office. Yeah. And his logic from that just stems back to, you know, that that third person, you know, in the past was Al Davis, obviously his father and, you know, had that football knowledge and, and made final decisions, whether it was personnel or or whatnot, and had a had an active hand in it. And that's something that Mark has acknowledged that he doesn't have. He doesn't have that that same level of depth of football knowledge as his father did. And um, you know, I think that's something that we don't see a lot of owners admit, you know, you know, and kind of own up to. And, you know, I, I think, you know, with him having that lack of knowledge and not to say that you know, just because Champ Kelly and Antonio Pierce to be their first time in the jobs that they don't know football, like obviously they do, but having somebody that's used to operating on that broader scale to help assist them along the way is something that makes sense and that you would think would be helpful for them because Mark can't really provide that. You know, he hires guys and then he's hands off. You know, he might meet with them for an hour after the game and make our press conference late, but, you know, he, he doesn't really know the nuts and bolts like somebody in that role would. And so, that's something that I think it would make sense um, as in who that would be. I have no idea, but I think that position is one that could help, you know, provide some stability in the front office. I like that you asked him, um, how do you evaluate champ? Because, you know, there's no real opportunity for him to actually sign anybody or draft anyone before the decision is made to, you know, whether or not he keeps a job because it is an awkward. Well, give, give him credit for Jack Jones. Period. Yeah, gotta, gotta, yeah. He, gets, he gets credit for Jack Jones, nice man. Pick six, baby. Come on. <laughs> but, I mean, that's why I think Champ probably, you know, like you guys said, probably has, I, I wouldn't say locked up, but, I mean, he has a pretty high chance of keeping a job, you know, that he, he was interviewed as a general manager candidate before they hired Ziegler. And, um, you know, just based on what has been said, it seems like he has a good chance of keeping a job. Yeah, I think it's seems to be leaning towards that way. And it, it's, it feels like we'll have an answer about the GM role first this offseason. You know, Mark, he kind of backtracked it and didn't really, though. I mean, it seemed like he plans to hire the GM first and then allow the GM to have a say in who they pick as the next head coach. And I think that makes sense. I think we, we might see more teams do that now that they push back the uh, 
the period where you can start interviewing um, candidates who are, are still in the playoffs, I think, to after the divisional round, I want to say. Um, and so obviously, you know, coordinators on those teams are going to be some of the most sought after candidates, most likely. And so teams in general may be hiring their head coaches a little bit later, but it's, it seems like they're going to focus on making a GM hire first and Champ has a pretty good chance to to get Champ and AP brought in some advisors last week. They brought in uh, Tom Coughlin and uh, Adam Gase and uh, Marvin Lewis. And those guys, I'm sure, I think Mark likes to see that because, like you said, he himself has said, I don't have all the answers. I'm not really a football guy in terms of X's and O's and how all this works. So the idea of these guys reaching out to get help and get some guidance from guys who have been around, I think is a good sign. Also, they probably have some, some ideas about, like you mentioned, the offense next year. What What's the plan? What, what can we do next year as far as what names are available? What can we do to help uh, – you know, Pierce out in, in that role. So I think those three guys are going to be uh, pretty important you know, um, players in this whole process. And uh, I don't know if Marvin Lewis wants a, a Zazar job, but Zazar, Zazar, sorry, Zazar, Zazar, Zazar job. But um, maybe he does. I mean, maybe he could be, a, he has a lot of experience and I'm sure he could help out and kind of planning things going forward. But uh, I think those three names are interesting guys to watch. And I think it's going to be important to see who, who are those types of people that, Pierce and Champ Kelly rely on because we know, I mean, Mark said it to you, Vic, that uh, that the people that Dave Ziegler leaned on and, and kind of went to for advice, maybe weren't exactly telling him what he should have been hearing uh, because of the competitive nature of the league. And and so uh, we, we knew he that Mark had concerns about the type of people that Ziegler was leaning on. So I think he's going to probably weigh pretty heavily who these guys have as as those trusted voices that they can lean on. Yeah, that was one of the first warning shots that Mark was not totally uh, in love with his choices, I think, at that point. He may have realized he may have made a mistake at that point. But um, clearly he was trying for something different. He, went, he tried the Patriot way, and now we're back to he's, you know the Raider way, I guess. We're trying to stick it back to the old the old culture. But really, fans just want they want a winning way. So they want they want a plan that works. They want some draft picks that can play. And this year, we've seen a couple flashes from guys this year. I think some of the signings have been pretty solid. So there's some positives this year as far as the offseason moves. We need more of that. And again, the big question, like we've talked about, is who's running the offense and who's playing quarterback? And that'll be huge uh, this offseason. You know, if Antonio Pierce is a hire, I think who he decides is going to be his offensive coordinator is going to be a huge factor in this. I mean, I think Bo Hardigree kind of just got pushed into this position and, you know, he's doing the best he can. But, you know, I don't think he's really prepared to be a play caller in this league. So, you know, I, I can't imagine that if Pierce does move into next year, he keeps Bo Hardigree and um, getting somebody that could develop a young quarterback is going to be, you know, huge for uh, whoever, whoever Pierce, you know, the offensive coordinator. Patrick Graham is somebody that like, you know, he's been a head coaching candidate in the past and with as well as this Raiders defense is playing, like keeping him is going to be something that's important too. Like, you know, I don't know how this head coaching cycle is going to pan out, but I don't think it's necessarily a guarantee that he's going to be around next year. And Antonio Pierce, he was a, a college defensive coordinator. And so maybe if he's retained, he just takes over that role because um, it's something that he's done in the past. But I think that's something that we shouldn't just uh, brush aside either. It's going to matter. Who does Pierce have good relationships with? Who is he? You know, does he have a tight relationship with Patrick Graham? Is Patrick Graham going to want to stick around under him? And and then we'll have to see. I, I mean, I, I think the the fact that he's that former player that he's got a lot of connections. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of people that he's he 
can lean on that he knows he can talk to um especially his time as a college coach you know certainly when you're a college coach you've got a lot of coaches that are getting in touch with you to talk about your players so um he's gonna have uh some pretty deep contacts i think so i i think he you know if given the opportunity to put together a staff i think he'd be able to put together a pretty solid staff yeah he definitely seems like he's well connected definitely has he's done a good job keeping up all his contacts and definitely he's well liked we made some calls sean and i earlier about you know his profile story and definitely uh guys think he's uh in the lake he's very smart and obviously we've seen the player connection he has so i think um there'll be some good some good candidates for sure i think it'll be interesting to see who they bring in but uh that would be i think he's selling to mark that you know the players love me the defense has gotten better the offense, I can't do too much about. I'm doing my best, but you give me something I can work with, and these are his ideas. We're going to get this guy's quarterback, and, and Mark can see the other side of the equation, and then he can make a decision. But uh, definitely the first half of the equation, at least, is pretty much sold. And I think you know, Mark has to say, you know what? Defense is a lot better. We're playing hard every week. We just be a team by you know, 50 freaking points. So I think um, that part is, is, is a done deal. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, obviously, if coming out of that Vikings game, I think we were all ready to say Aiden O'Connell is a career backup. He he's not a guy, and and I don't know that that what he did against the Chargers, the Chargers team that was, you know, kind of jogging out there, changes that. But it was the best performance that he's put out, uh, and now he gives him a chance to go into these last three games. You know, Vic, you had written last week that that might be his final shot. That there was some thought to possibly going back to Jimmy Garoppolo. If he were to have another really, really bad game, uh, I would imagine that that performance uh, secures the fact that he's probably going to start these final three games and uh, we'll get three more chances to evaluate him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they had what, 46 points in the previous four games. I think people were getting a little restless and, um, and luckily the chargers came in and laid down on, on the grass and took a nap and didn't, rush the passer, didn't cover anybody. I mean, Michael Mayer was wide open the entire game. Even after the first couple of plays, he was open. He still didn't cover him. So I just, uh, I've never seen a team quite like that in my time covering the NFL, but he was a benefactor for sure. And I, I, I still think he's um, proven he's a good quality backup guy. I, I don't know if the upside's really there as far as being a starting quarterback. I think, you know, the pocket presence and the, the foot movement, he's not, they can't really move that well. I think those are going to be problems for him against tough defenses, which we saw the previous four weeks. So 
Uh, but I think he's definitely a guy you bring in to compete uh, next year, and he can have a chance to be the starting guy, and maybe he gets better in the offseason. But to me, nothing's really changed this week. I think you got to bring in a guy who can be a starter either through free agency or a trade or through a draft pick. Do you guys think O'Connell has outplayed what we've seen from Jimmy Garoppolo this season? <laughs> that, that bar's pretty it's, low. It's pretty low bar. I mean, I, <laughs> better than the better than who was the worst quarterback in the league, damn near at the time. So, I mean, yeah, I guess I still got to believe Jimmy. Was, I mean, I think he was hurt, I and mean, I can't. I, mean, I don't know how she explained him being from a pretty solid quarterback to being terrible, if not for all the injuries. Uh, but uh, we'll never know. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens to them next year. But um, I think he had a small window. Maybe, like you said, if McConnell struggled against the Chargers, maybe. Jimmy gets a shot on Christmas Day, but now I think it's clearly going to be Aiden's show the next next three weeks. I was just trying to set up my my hot take that Aiden O'Connell would throw 25 touchdowns and 10 picks in a Shanahan Niner offense. <laughs> but, wow, uh, that's a hot take. I mean, just back to the Chargers game. Uh, I, another player that was really impressive, I thought, was uh, Thayer Munford playing left tackle. I did not know he he moved that well based on you know some of his, his snaps at, at right tackle and you know his passing off stunts he was shutting down guys you think independent hand usage I mean he 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 looked good you know so I wonder if he could translate that when he moves back to the right side if Colt Miller comes back or uh, maybe do they get a little crazy and see if Miller could play uh, on the right side if Munford could continue this. Is Miller probably coming back this this next game? I have no idea, man. He's been it's been weird. He's been in the locker room every week. It seems like he's doing well, and he doesn't play. So maybe they have a long term plan. Maybe he's saving him for this game against the Chiefs. But uh, it doesn't seem like. I mean, he's around, so uh, he hasn't like he's hiding in the training room. So um, play I, some ping pong to... with him and find out, man. There you go. Uh, some video games, some Fortnite. But uh, yeah, I, my guess is they're trying to get him right and make sure he's back 100 percent for this game coming up. But uh, I'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I do think that was something from the game. I know everybody looked – I guess everybody looks good when you put up 63, right? But there were a lot of young players that stood out, whether it was Dylan Parham starting at center with Andre James out, and I think we, we think that's probably where he's best at moving forward. Uh, Trey Tucker flash, had a couple of touchdown catches, Michael Mayer. Um, then on the defensive side of the ball, Malcolm Kuntz had his best game as a pro. Devon Diablo, Jack Jones, um, Trayvon Merrick back in the secondary, like – this was a game where a lot of their young guys that they've been leaning on or depending on to step up, you know, did that and stood out. And, you know, I think seeing that that can also continue in these final three games of the season is huge um, carrying forward to the future, you know, more so than, you know, if they make the playoffs or not, I think if they can identify that, that young core of young players they can lean on um, as they continue to build the roster moving forward, that'll be pretty big for them. Pierce said that Mayor took the tone with that first block of the game against the Khalil Mack, and definitely he's gotten a lot better blocking him. As I mentioned, he's wide open the whole game. So and Trey Tucker had a big game. So, yeah, the young guys are getting people excited, which is good. That's a that's a new thing around here. I think you're seeing not only young guys making plays, but also you're seeing some player development, guys who are actually getting better over a course of a season, which is very rare around the Raiders. So I think those are all positive signs. Mayor looked really good as a blocker and as a receiver, which, you know, is what you drafted him for to be an all around tight end. And he saw a glimpse of that against the chargers. Trey Tucker, obviously we, we knew he had the speed still has trouble really, you know, securing the catch on, on the first without bobbling it and, you know, getting his feet in bounds, just making sure that uh, 
everything is uh, clean uh, with the, the catch process. And I think that's going to be a thing to to watch out for as he continues to develop, because he, he certainly has a the separation ability. I mean, you know, we've seen that we saw that before this game, but I just hope that he doesn't become like a Jerry Judy type of wide receiver where, you know, you're always just holding your breath to see if he could um, get his feet inbounds when it, it easily should be able to, or, you know, if he could bring in an, an easy catch. So that, that'll be the question with uh, Tucker. What do we think of Zamir White? First start, 17 carries, 69 yards, um, solid, nothing, nothing electric, nothing spectacular, but uh, had, had the touchdown. Um, obviously, his is by far his biggest workload in an NFL game. Yeah, he was all right, which I think is, you know, typically when we've seen him mostly in the preseason, I think that's been our takeaway is, you know, solid, you know, short yardage back who can get you some yards, a physical runner, but not necessarily that guy with the, a ton of upside, it doesn't seem. Um, and so, you know, like, I mean, I know he was drafted, obviously, to replace Josh Jacobs. They, they tried to backtrack that, but that's the only reason why you have Josh Jacobs out there playing in a preseason game last year. And um, it doesn't seem like he'll be quite that, but he looks like a guy that could at least be a useful rotation, a useful piece of a running back rotation moving forward if, if they want to keep him, keep him on board. I mean, the Chargers have a terrible run defense and – I wanted to see a little bit more wiggle, some more ability to break some tackles. And it, we just have not seen that from White in this game or any other game in his career. I just don't see him as a, a starting back. I was going to say we saw the explosiveness, but it was from uh, Brandon Bolden, not from uh, from Zamir White. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I think he's, he's, a, he's a guy. He's a functional number two back, I think, kind of like O'Connell. He's not a young guy, but uh, probably the most ridiculous play from Thursday's game was John Jenkins' 44-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Ridiculous from the standpoint of, like, Chargers were just jogging after this 325-pound defensive tackle and pretty much just like, yeah, go ahead, have a touchdown. We, we don't really have a, a ton of interest in, in going and stopping you. I mean, for who, for what, for who, for what? You're going to drag down a 330-pound guy down 49, what are the 49 points at that point? I mean, I don't, by that point, they're packed up and had their vacation plans already set, so I don't blame them for that one. But, yeah, I mean, he's a, been a great guy for them this year. He's been a guy who came in, kind of leadership-type guy in the line, been around for 11 years. He's a, he's a good-natured guy, always uh, you know, in great energy, great positive uh, voice in that locker room, and he's made some plays. He's definitely kind of a, a run guy, a run-stopper, but um, – we saw the burst. I think they had him timed at what uh, seventeen miles per hour, which is a load of Pretty crap. Good. But you said it was true. <laughs> but there's no way he was going that fast. But like, whatever. And I'm not going to hate. But uh, he made it. He got there in the end. He said he's watching himself on a, on a jumbotron, so he knew he was going to make it in. So that's kind of it must be a cool moment for a guy who's been around eleven years and you watch yourself uh, running into the end zone. So uh, tip of the cap to uh, to John Jenkins. The Raiders at thirty six sacks right now. So. 14 in this last three. Man, you, guys, you guys laughed at me. Yeah, I was I was scoffed at. Do you really think they're going to get 14 in the last three games? Oh, no doubt about it. No, nah, I have no idea. But uh, why not? Malcolm Kutz is, uh, man, who knew? Like, he's coming on like crazy. It's got, you always knew he had the bend, but the power has been a lot better this year. And uh, definitely a guy who's following Max's example as far as the, the, the relentless energy. And just um, he's been a big-time guy for them. I mean, we we all thought Chandler Jones was going to be you know, some of the uh, decent sized loss, but uh I people forgot about Johnny Jones. I mean, if not for his little random TikToks and posts, we'd forget he was even around. But uh he's still ever ever here and there and doing random stuff. Yeah, I mean he he might develop into kind of like a Ngakwe type of player that's good at pass rushing, with a good arsenal of moves, just not great against the run. 
another thing we, we haven't talked about is uh, Tyree Wilson playing really well ever since the Raiders started playing him inside a little bit more, closer to the ball and, um, you know, just going up against guards. He, he's been he's been pretty good since the Vikings game. Tyree's definitely gotten better. Like I said, you, you, you've seen guys improve over the course of the season, which um, is very, very unusual for Raiders. So kudos. There's yet to be anybody, I think, on defense that's emerged as like a second superstar or a second star, you know, outside of Max Crosby. But you're starting to see the the kind of development of like solid players. And, you know, that's that's what you want to see from your draft. You want to be able to draft solid players, starter, you know, impact players. And then like if you find a way, you know, either through, you know, your next high draft pick or through free agency to drop in, you know, another complimentary star. Uh, I mean, I think that's the way how you start building a, a defense that can be a consistently top 10, top 15 unit. Yeah, I agree. They're definitely getting more comfortable in, in Petrogram's system, which definitely was a big thing they talked about, and we're finally seeing it. So uh, Trayvon Merrick has definitely made some strides this year in the back end. So, yeah, your Austin guys get a little better around the whole defense. So Jack Jones, probably one of the best receptions I've ever seen in my life. I definitely see his athletic ability kind of flash. So he's a guy who's uh, a real nice addition for him. So, yeah, his defense um, has really gotten better, which has been uh, impressive. Pretty impressive. Impressive for Patrick Graham and uh, Max Crosby because the defense is just made up of a bunch of solid to good guys and one superstar. And you know maybe you could count Nate Hobbs as a star when he's playing uh, when he's healthy and playing in the, in the slot. But yeah, I mean you know usually when you think of a top ten type of defense, there's a lot more than just you know one superstar playing. I mean, that Jack Jones, you know, waiver acquisition, I mean, that could end up being pretty significant. You know, he's a guy that, what, it's only in year two, so he's still got two more years on his rookie deal. So, you know, when, you, when you're picking that guy up midseason, it's like, okay, yeah, we're just, we're adding a guy that Antonio Pierce is familiar with. But, I mean, that's a guy that you're going to be able to keep around here for a couple of years. And we know how badly they've needed depth and, and some impact players at cornerback and what we've seen from him the last couple of weeks you know especially in this game I mean it looks like a guy that uh that they can start relying on I mean I don't know that he's going to be a you know ever be a, a lockdown number one corner but I mean if he's a solid starter for you and you you can kind of start building pieces of that defense that's one of those where you're taking advantage of of a midseason waiver claim just because you've got some familiarity with the guy and and the Patriots are ready to move on uh that, that could be end up being pretty significant you know for all the just random Patriots that they grabbed during the uh, the McDaniel Ziegler era. It's kind of funny that as soon as those guys leave, they go and grab another Patriot. But uh, it, it's not because of you know the Patriots connections, but because of Antonio Pierce's. Yeah, and I mean that's something that you know Mark was saying in terms of how to evaluate Champ Kelly as a GM is really those fringe roster moves, and, and that was obviously a huge one. I mean, snagging a potential starting cornerback moving forward off the street um, that has that kind of upside. I mean. You know, obviously got in trouble, um, and that's why he's not with the Patriots anymore. But it wasn't because of what he was doing on the field. I mean, he had a really, really strong rookie season as outside cornerback, and he's started to pick that up in the last couple of weeks. And so those kind of things along the margins uh, could be something that helps his case to to get that GM job. That's kind of the right away, right? You get uh, guys like off waivers, guys who kind of blown some shots to give him a second chance or a third chance. They really embrace their role. He's loving, he's loving being here, man. He was so happy after that game. Like he's mentioned how – Pierce is kind of father figure for him, going back to high school and college, and he's making plays. And he's got a kid on the way. I think he's uh, doing any day now. So he's really one of the happiest guys we'll see right now. I think he's really um, loving being a part of this whole Raider Raider culture. And he he already has um, just as many run stops as Marcus Peters um, in four games with the Raiders. So it's uh, two two apiece. 
kicking, <laughs> kicking a guy when he's already gone. Jeez. I thought Marcus Peter had zero run stops. Apparently he had two. Wow. He, he doubles down. Man. What's left for the Raiders to accomplish this season? Their uh, their playoff chances, if they were to win the final three games, get up to about 30%. Um, so, you know, we, we, we know that that's not really the uh, the realistic goal here for the 6-8 and eight team. But uh, what do we want to see out of these last three games? I just think starting Monday, if, if you win that game Monday, I mean, the players have to go into that game thinking, obviously you want to be the Chiefs or your rival, and, uh, but – if you win that game, I think you feel like you've gotten your guy the job. I think uh, it'd be a, I mean, that's it's that big a game for him. And the Chiefs are not – they're still great, but they're not what they were last year. The receivers are still giving them all kinds of trouble. Or, I mean, some of Holmes have another tantrum on the sidelines. So, clearly they, they're they they're vulnerable at that spot. So, I mean, it should be a fun ball game. The weather's going to be kind of messy, but it should be a fun ball game. And after that, I mean, I, I don't think you can win out, but I think you can definitely split the last two, uh, at least, and maybe win two of them if you lose to the Chiefs. So I'd say a two-and-one finish would probably get um, Pierce the job. I think it really comes down to finding some sort of offensive consistency. Um, I mean, they've had a couple of flash games since uh, the coaching change, but they've kind of had mulligans along with them. Like the Giants game, I mean, Daniel Jones tears his ACL. He, that was their first game with, with Tommy DeVito, and they're basically not running an offense during that game. This past game, like the Chargers quit, and there were a bunch of like turnovers um, where they had short fields to work with. And so while they put up a bunch of points, I, I think we're still like kind of like a little skeptical about you know whether this offense can put together a, a good game against a good defense. And so uh, I think we know what the defense, the Raiders defense is at this point. Like they've, they've been pretty consistent throughout the year. And so whether or not they have a, a strong finish to this season is really going to come down to – whether the offense can find some consistency because, you know, I mean, for all the Chiefs offensive issues, like their defense has been pretty good this season. Same goes for the, the Colts and the Broncos after they got off to a little bit of a bumpy start. And so, yeah, man, I think it's, it comes down to to this offense and figuring that out in terms of whether or not they're going to finish their season strong. And they'll probably get Josh Jacobs back. I'm, I'm pretty sure they will on, on Monday. They'll probably lean on him a lot. I mean, uh, Pierce has said it's the Josh Jacobs show, and I think uh, Josh has said he wants to play and get Pierce the job. So I think it'll be a lot on his shoulders on Monday and also last last three weeks. Well, you guys know today is the one-year anniversary of Jacoby Myers throwing the Gabe Woody touchdown pass to Chandler Jones. Uh, so uh, happy anniversary to those two. Uh, but the, the year as a uh, situation has quite changed quite a bit. We didn't appreciate that last year, like how good his arm is. I mean, Myers can throw the ball, obviously. I mean, we saw it again this weekend, but now that was the like, Two oh, for two, geez. touchdown pass. He threw, he hit Sean Jones like right in the, in the numbers. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. yeah, so I mean, he's a, he's a weapon. Yeah, no, they're, they're accurate passes on the run. I was, I was surprised how, uh, how good the ball looked based on, um, the last time I saw him throw. That'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We will be back later this week for our regularly scheduled episode as we will preview the Chiefs game. Uh, we'll make that a little bit of a mailbag episode, so we'll uh, throw out a call for questions. We'll uh, we'll take some questions. Uh, maybe uh, maybe fans, you guys can send us uh, what you guys want to see under the Christmas tree if you're a Raiders fan uh, this year when you wake up and uh, get ready to face the Chiefs on uh, Christmas morning. So we will talk to you again later this week, and uh, have a great week, guys. Later. Adiós.